Hello, beautiful people. Uh, as you probably are aware, uh, if you're on Twitter or Facebook or just reading the news today, uh, Rebecca Luker uh, passed away today. Um, and it is a sad day in a sad year for a lot of us, um, for people who got to work with her um, and for even just people like me who got to talk to her once. Uh, we have all felt her influence and are... Uh, better people because of it. Her her talent is remarkable. The best tweet I saw about it all day was that Rebecca Luker didn't sing like an angel. The angels sing like her. And uh, I think that's a thousand percent true. So I wanted to uh, re-release my episode with her into the feed. It was recorded uh, just back in July of this year, which in so many ways feels like a thousand years ago, but it was it was fewer than six months. And it's um i'm so happy that i had this opportunity to speak with her and then to share it with you uh, i'd like to thank uh, al silber for setting this up in the first place um and for giving me connecting me with with becca and and uh, having the chance to to talk with her it's just i will always treasure the fact that i got to speak to somebody who means so much to me and that she shared her light with me uh just me uh, for a little while, and then I was able to share it with all of you. So uh, enjoy this episode with Rebecca Luker talking about Sweeney Todd, and um, I hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend, and um, sending love to Becca's family and friends all over the world. I love you guys. Talk soon. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. I am thrilled today that my guest is multi-Tony nominee Rebecca Luker, everybody. Hi, Patrick. Hi, thank you so much for doing this. This is so wonderful. Al, uh, Al Silber put us in touch. I'm so glad she did. Me too. It's so wonderful to talk to you, especially after your uh, your online concert, which we'll certainly talk about. But you're here also to talk about the cast album of... <gasps> Sweeney Todd! Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. He served the dark and eventual God. He served the dark and eventual God. What happened then? Well, that's the play, and he wouldn't want us to give it away. Not Sweeney. Not Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. How did Sweeney Todd come into your life? Oh my God. Well, I was in college when I first heard it. Um, it was, I think they had just, they were broadcasting the, the PBS version of it you know with i think chris Gronendahl was the anthony then and yes but not lynn Carew, but it was george hearn as uh sweeney yeah yes and betsy jocelyn was joanna yeah. and i was sitting in my little uh tiny dorm room watching it on a tiny tv and but I, <laughs> I was absolutely gobsmacked by it and i just thought my god what is this thing you know <laughs> And literally, I was like, you know, I was 19 or something. And it, it has remained to this day my favorite 
show, score, everything, you know. Have you ever had a chance to do it? Yeah, I did it with Michigan Opera Theater in 1984. I was an intern. I had just graduated from college. Or I was about to graduate. I forget. Oh, I just graduated, I think. And uh, I was an intern. We did two operas in the season. And we ended the season with a musical. And I was and I was cast as Joanna. And it was... Wow. Judy Kay was Mrs. Lovett. And, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's David quite Cryer, a cast. I believe, was Sweeney. My and goodness. You was Anthony. Yeah, I had the time of my life. Time of my life. Oh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Oh, that is so wonderful. Yeah, it, it is. I remember when I, uh, not when I first heard the show, but around the time I started listening to the show, I uh, told the story to my brother, who was five years younger than me at the time. And he was, I mean, he still is five years younger than me, but he was, uh, <laughs> he was a, a little guy at the time. And it, the story, just me describing the story was so scary to him. He had nightmares for a couple of days and I'm I felt sure. terrible. <laughs> I'm sure it was, it's a, it's a complete original, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. On a play and mm-hmm. that. it was just something that you'd think this is not going to be a musical. Yeah, it is. And that's what, what's interesting to me about it and about a lot of, of Sondheim's musicals is that you do find yourself often going, that's a musical? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's not really a story that you sort of would find yourself thinking like that in Pacific Overtures and several of its shows. You're like, Oh, that's a, you know, and passion, obviously. Um, yeah, exactly. Don't organically come to, to musical ideas. So how, where yeah. was it in your sort of formation as somebody who loves musical theater and does music, you know, because a professional, obviously in your career, where did, where does it well, come? You know, when I did it with Michigan Opera uh, mm. Theater, uh, it, it certainly, um, I met my agent, you know, uh, he came to see Judy Kay and uh, saw me do Joanna and invited me to sign with him. And, you know, it was it just, you know, I, I figure it brought me all sorts of luck, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. And, uh, so uh, I did sign with Judy's agent and moved to New York the following February. That was fall. Oh, April. Really? Moved so it was that kind of fast? It was kind of fast. I mean, I was out of college. I didn't know, you know, I knew I wanted to be in the business somehow, but I just mm-hmm. didn't know how to get there. But um, so it was just a, a a path for me to to move to New York, move in with a friend, and I had an agent already. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, but the but the but the experience of doing that show just you know opened my mind to the possibilities of theater and what it could do. And um, I just think it's just exciting in every way, this show. So when you, when you came to New York in the, in the eighties, what was, what were the role landscapes like for somebody of your type? Because you know, now obviously it's, it's all belters and skelters and all that different kind of thing for, yes, all that. Um, but when you came in the in the mid '80s, I mean, Broadway was sort of in transition from the sort of the, this explosion in the '70s, not yet hitting the Cameron Mackintosh, you know, yeah. Les Mis, Miss Saigon '80s. What, what were the roles that you were going for? Well, actually, um, I came at a time when there was still lots of uh, traditional stuff being done. You know, John McGlynn, the the that con- you know that conductor, John mm-hmm. McGlynn, mm-hmm. the late McGlynn. Uh, he and a few others had discovered that treasure trove of music in New Jersey, 
that had been long buried. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an explosion of American songbook, let's record this original score and this original score and everything. Uh, I got involved with the New Amsterdam Theater Company at the time, which was, I think, the precursor to encores, uh, the shows at uh, Town Hall. And I, I was just there at the right time. I had the right voice, the right age. You know, I, I, I was soon cast in all those traditional uh, things. And I met John McGlynn and, and then that began a whole career with him. So I think I came at a really good time. Uh, and then, of course, Phantom came along, and I was right there for that. And, you know, <laughs> as, uh, the, uh, you know the understudy to Christine in and the, and the chorus. I moved up to the role. So, I, you know, it was an interesting uh, few years, my first few years in New York. But I did work. I did concerts, a lot of concerts, a lot of traditional stuff, Cole Porter, Gershwin, you know, Kern. So... Was good, which, which I love. And had that been your, yeah, your training or experience before you, you it, came into town? Uh, somewhat. You know, I went to a, a small liberal arts college in Alabama. Uh, I was a music major and I did, you know, I trained in theater as well. And, uh, but, you know, I did all the musicals in college. You know, mm-hmm. no, I, you know, I was green as a cucumber. I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I, I was just, I mean, fell off the hay truck. I mean, seriously. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I guess what got me through was my youthful, uh, you know, belief that I was just going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mixed with uh, I had a pretty voice. Mm-hmm. And I was cute, you know. Mm-hmm. I was a, a pretty blonde, and and I just sort of got cast in those things. And in that way, I learned my my craft. You, know? you do need that sort of wide-eyed optimism. I mean, we, we make fun you of it do. a lot, but you really need it when you come to town, well, I think. Yes, you yeah. do. I, I was penniless and alone, <laughs> and, you know, it was hard. Yeah. I an agent, and I had a few friends in the city, and, you know, made it through somehow. It was hard. Well, I would say you did make it through, yes. <laughs> do, do, do. Yeah, slowly. Yeah. Well, it always, I mean, I, I think it, it, I'm sure it felt very slow, but it seems like now, I think, very quick that you sort of got, I mean, you say you went to Phantom, and that was, what, 88? Yeah, I mean, that's eight. a pretty, yeah, pretty so fast. Casting that, like, two and a half years after I came to New York, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fast. Yeah, yeah. and it, I'm sure at the time it felt glacial to be, you know, uh, sort of, because yeah. you expect sort of, I, I also, because I think maybe one of the downsides to coming to town with an agent is you do expect little more immediate success because you you've cleared a hurdle that uh, takes some, that some people you probably knew were still desperately trying to achieve oh, I, I, at the time i thought everyone got an agent out of town you know um, <laughs> I, to, I, I i like to call it some enchanting evening in detroit you know so they that was amazing uh you know what i'm not sure i did expect i did not expect success fast i was mm. I was young. I knew I had a lot to learn. I was not, I was confident, but, but yet, you know, I just didn't know the ropes, you know? Mm -hmm. So when Phantom came along, I was completely shocked that I got a Broadway show, you know? Oh, that's great. That's a wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, Crazy. Uh, Because I sang an aria for Hal Prince. Oh, really? Yeah. We had to to come in and sing arias. What did you sing? Well, I was up for, you know, either the understudy to Christine or Mm -hmm. I had some able to sing that shit so that we came they i sang something from ballad of baby doe uh the opera the opera i sang the silver aria and uh, it ends with a high d 
And uh, I did it. I had just done it in college, and I thought, oh, I got this. I got this part. And I did. I sang very well. And, wow. And uh, I was just having fun. And I didn't know who anybody was. I mean, I, I knew who Hal Prince was. And I knew, you know, they were all sitting out there. And I was just dumb and young and just having a good time. And, you know, <laughs> I, remember, I remember he came up to the lip of the stage after I sang and to talk to me. And uh, mm-hmm. he asked me if I could dance on point. And I said, well, no, but I'm a quick learner and mm-hmm. I'm willing to learn, you know. And, and I guess he liked me. So I got it. I'm so glad you didn't lie because that's a terrible thing to lie about being able to dance on point. Yeah. Not a good thing to lie about. No, not at all. I'm interested in not only, you know, career trajectories and and the influence that cast albums had, but if you had sort of theater experience and, and obviously Sweeney Todd, these shows that you liked and you, you know, then you're working with Hal Prince, you know, whose name's right there on the cover of that album. Um, Yeah. It it has to be sort of a, for a while, like you say, green is a cucumber, wide-eyed kid, kind of a, a startling experience. Was there any sort of sense of having to swallow your nerves and kind of dive in with both feet? Or was it, did you find the work so exciting that that wasn't really that difficult? In Phantom? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I no, I was, I was so excited and um, ready to, you know, I did have one moment of though when I was cast as the understudy, because I knew they needed an alternate Christine. Yeah. At the time, you know, Sarah Brightman did, five shows a week or something. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll get the alternate, you know? And then, so I heard, I, can you believe it? I, so it's crazy. <laughs> when, I heard, when I heard that Patty Coe and I had been cast, I was like, no, that should be my role, you know? And you know, my agent's like, you know, calm down. Right. <laughs> Just got to New York. This is, but as it turns out, it that was my only chorus role I ever did. Um, but no, I was excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast was fantastic. I have lifelong friends from that cast. We just jumped in and just had a ball. Yeah, no, not really any nerves, really. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, that's good. It's really, it really fun. Gosh, it does help to be young, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? Of, oh, of course, it was a wildly popular show at the time. Yes. That, you know, I had, you know, literally, I, I had a show jacket at one point that we wore, you know, black satin mm-hmm. show jacket. Oh, my. Yeah. So literally, cabs would stop me. And say, can I get tickets to, to the show? Really? Yeah. I mean, people coming out of the woodwork to get tickets and try to get in to see that thing. And it was it was crazy. Wow. It's like Hamilton of its day, obviously. Oh, sure. That yeah. is, but that is, I can't, I mean, it's so, it's so funny because now with, I think with social media as an outlet for those sorts of things, you don't have those experiences so much with, I'm sure people no. in Hamilton got stopped asking for tickets, but not quite in the same way yeah that was nuts that's such a a wonderfully unique experience i really like that Uh, it was opening night the opening night the uh the battery of of paparazzi oh my gosh age and just it was crazy i'd never seen anything like it you know I'm sure. I mean, it, it was such, and it is, it, it's, it, it's easy to forget. I think that a show that's been running for forever, oh my God. that, that there was a point where it, it was like you say, Hamilton or book of Mormon. It was a phenomenon on the ground yeah. level. Yeah. Before it became an old staple there at the, at the majestic. Exactly. Still there. There's, there's an interesting tie there to me between phantom and Sweeney Todd, both being very Gothic, dark, um, musicals and it's not it, not that it has run through your career exactly but I mean Secret Garden also kind of falls into this category of 
a little less so, I think, but romantic um, costume piece, you know, sort of uh, dramas. Do you find yourself drawn to those sort of, you know, uh, kind of shows? Shows? Mm -hmm. I certainly was back then. Um, And I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm definitely drawn to those kinds of shows. I'm drawn to the macabre and the dark. Mm. I love that about Sweeney and Phantom. And, you know, I'm a horror film, a file. Really? Oh, what do you, what, what, what kind of, what kind of horror films are your favorite? Oh my gosh. I like a huge spectrum of them. I like the old fashioned ones, you know, the, the old ones that are just more suspenseful than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that Ray Milan movie? Can't think of the name of it. Just saw it the other day uh, about a ghost in a house. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I don't really like the slasher movies so much, you know, mm-hmm. the sense, I love that. I love, you know, insidious movies like that. I love, you know, um, yeah, I love, I love a lot of different kinds of scary movies. Is the uninvited the Ray Milan movie you were trying uninvited, to think of? Uninvited, that's it. Thank go. you. No problem. That, that the internet to the rescue. And Nicole Kidman's The Others, I think. The others. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that. So that it's that there. There seems to be a, a sort of correlation of mood among all these things because, like you say, like The Others and those sort of suspenseful movies are very mood pieces with scary moments in them, obviously, but they're not. They're more in, emotional horror films than sort yeah, of physical right, exactly. horror films. And I guess way back then I was, uh, I, the way my career was going, the way the, the kind of voice that I had mm-hmm. uh, sort of pegged as that period soprano right off the bat. And Secret Garden came along, you know, right as I was doing Phantom and um, it was just a natural fit. So I'm really happy that that happened. That was oh, a- I'm sure. Oh, Great well, show. definitely. Yes. Well, we could talk about Secret Garden all day, but we'll get there. I, I swear. <laughs> it is. I, I'm. Yeah, it, it's a it's such a specific kind of style of of show. And then also a specific kind of of character and voice that I, I'm sure they were were looking for. And you obviously have done a lot of recording as well as uh stage performing you seem to be tapped sort of constantly for for you know like the lost in boston series and also the um yeah recordings like a brigadoon that you did which we've done on this podcast actually um yeah it's a lovely recording of that of that show but i wonder how if you like I say, what we we have t- today with you know Belters and Skrelters and the Sopranos of the of the uh, of the eighty period of the eighties, is it was there ever was it just a, a lot of work or did you find yourself ever chafing against that sort of expectation of of oh you're the 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 pretty blonde woman with the soprano this is your part now go over there right mm-hmm. um, well that my career in that period thing went on for a while you know showboat. <laughs> Uh, you right, know, music that, man, yeah. Corseted, you know, period mm-hmm. lady, you know. Uh, <laughs> music man, sound of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, I kind of broke out of that when I did nine for mm-hmm. a few months at the end of the run. And then from there, I mean, from like two, in 2000, I started singing new composers' works mm-hmm. uh, or a, the new voices series at the Thalia that Joel Fram started. And that sort of got me out of that old habit and that old shell and I started to really explore new music and and in that way I started to sing in many different styles I was always able to but I was just 
you know, I was just pigeonholed. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my main thing was that soprano, but I, you know, I, I can do, I'm a rocker. I can do jazz. Uh, so as I got older and my voice got stronger, I learned to mix and belt a little bit. And so, yeah. So I started to transition and, you know, I enjoyed my early career so much. And I'm so proud of it. But, um, but when I started to do character roles, I thought, oh, where have I been? This is awesome. <laughs> I did the, I did the uh, you know, the fairy godmother and Cinderella and wow, was that fun? I mean, I got to be a crazy old lady in the woods and I thought, uh-huh. wow, is, where have I been? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, I missed out. And it's, it's interesting because jo- while Joanna in Sweeney is, is the you know the blonde soprano role she does especially in act two have some things to do absolutely that are both funny and also very dark i i I always come to the scene in sweeney where she is rescued quote unquote from the asylum and anthony you know points the gun at fog and says i cannot shoot and joanna just grabs a gun and shoots him (laughs) which i think is such a yeah, but it's such an interesting moment for her character as the the difference between someone who is you know Anthony the big romantic hero, but yeah. hasn't really done anything, to the woman yeah. who's actually been through the trauma, grabbing the bull by the horns and saying, "Nope, like I can shoot him. That's totally fine. I can. Get, we got to get out of here." That was a great character. She's sort of a charactery ingenue, I'd say. Mm-hmm. You know, like totally uh, a little a little off. You know. Well, she's been raised under very unusual circumstances. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> highly unusual, which only get more unusual when her, her guardian uh, proposes to her at the time, <laughs> towards the oh, beginning of the show, oh, off stage. Exactly. Is, is it, did you say, would you say you were drawn to Sweeney because of your enjoyment of sort of the macabre and the black humor, or did the Sweeney sort of inform that, that enjoyment? Was that something you found? Like, oh, this is, there's stuff like this that I really enjoy. Oh, gosh, I don't know how to answer that. Um, I was drawn to it because of its, of, of the, of the story. Uh, I thought it was fun and fun, but mm-hmm. I did, you know, because it had that underlying, you know, humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was drawn to it because of the score, the magnificent score. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I just couldn't believe what I was oh, yeah. hearing. Oh, what is this music? I was absolutely amazed by it. Was yeah. it really different from the other shows you were listening to at the time? Was it sort of, it was that kind of like shocking eye opener? What were you else were you listening to around the, oh, the yeah. same time? Well, I was a music major at the time. So, you know, a mixture of musical theater and uh, a little opera and uh, a lot of, you know, classical stuff. You know, I had to take those classes where you analyze music. And sure. so <laughs> I, sort of, I was sort of being a, a wonky music student at the time. Mm-hmm. And Sweeney was like, on another planet for me mm-hmm. yeah just wide open in that field yeah it is a really i mean it's a terrifying and gorgeous gorgeous piece of music uh i usually ask this question at the end but i'm going to jump it up a little bit because i'm just very curious what is your favorite song in in sweeney oh my gosh hmm well i i love joanna it's so mm-hmm. beautiful that anthony sings i guess that'd be way up there. I like Greenfinch and Linnet Bird, what I got to sing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, you know, my really favorite one is the Ballad of Sweeney Todd. Mm. That, that sort of... Uh, the running motif. Comes out mm-hmm. running throughout the show. And it's just complicated and just, you can't believe how fabulous it is, you know. <laughs> oh, and I know. 
chorus singing behind that DSERA sounding stuff that he puts in there. And um, yeah, it's just astonishing. Nothing's ever been written like it, I don't mm. think. But some people call it an American opera. Uh, Sheldon Harnick calls it our best American opera. Mm. He's a good friend of mine. And wow. uh, you know, he's a contemporary of Sondheim's. It's so hard yes. to think of that he is. But yeah, <laughs> but he, he so respects Sondheim. We were talking about Sweeney one day. He mm-hmm. said, yeah. That's our best American opera. You could say that about some of Gershwin's stuff, but mm-hmm. I think it was more so. I'm also very interested as someone who has done a couple original Broadway productions about the process of development. And I wouldn't imagine on something like the American transfer of Phantom, there was a lot of change made between the two productions. As I understand it, they're almost identical. Yeah, um, I don't think very much, Yeah. Well, were you available or, or, or able to see any sort of moments of like, I mean, it was Judy Kay again, right? If I'm the, in the room, I, <laughs> yeah, which must have been nice. And Chris uh, Grodenthal, correct? Was a, was a, yeah, was in that cast. It, were, were you privy to moments of these great, I mean, Judy Kay, especially won a Tony for it, the, creating these moments in the rehearsal room, or was it a lot more like, this is kind of how we, we put it together because this is what we did on the West End? I was privy to a lot of that, yeah. We were often all in the same room for, you know, hours a day, mm-hmm. putting things together. Uh, and then they, you know, they would, of course, ship us off to another room to learn masquerade or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because I was the understudy. I had to work with uh, Jillian Lynn on some, some personal stuff to mm. get, get me ready for Christine. And, uh, but no, I was in the room when he was working with Michael and Sarah and Judy, all of them. I was, we were able to, um, to watch a lot of that. It was great. I'm yeah. sure it was. I'm sure it was a fascinating period. But of course, a, a show I know you were very involved in when it went from the ground up was Secret Garden. And yeah, yeah I mean, which is just one of my favorite shows that we've talked about it with Al on this podcast. And yeah. um, it, it is a show that and I've also had uh, been lucky enough to have Daisy on the podcast to talk to her yeah. a little bit. Yeah, which was a lovely conversation. Um, but with that show, which was much, I mean, it was debuting. It was, it was in a, was that your first Broadway musical that was brand new that you did in your yeah, career? First original role. Yeah. So what, what point did you come on to the project? Uh, they had already, they had done a workshop of it and I believe they had, there had been some kind of out of town production of it. And, and um, ironically, Patty Kohenauer was, I think the original uh, Lily. Mm-hmm. Oh my! <laughs> we were following each other around. Uh, as luck or something would have it, she decided not to come in for the Broadway production. Mm-hmm. So they had to find somebody new. <laughs> and how much? Wor- so there had been a workshop and a and out of town. So how much work in the room of sort of rewriting or remove like changing did you did you experience in that? You know what? I think they changed it a good deal from that first production. I can't remember exactly how that went. But I think they sort of started fresh a little bit with the Broadway production. I still remember that audition. It was so, so much fun. Yeah. Oh, really? What was so it? I, I sort of cried. I sang, uh, how could I know at the end? And oh gosh. <laughs> sort of like blubbered my way through the end of it. It's, so, it's such a beautiful, sad song. Oh, <laughs> 
and yeah. uh, I was apologizing to them. They're like, don't apologize. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just, I just, the minute I heard that music, I thought, oh, this is for me. This is mine, you know? Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was born to do it, really. How, it's an interesting role to have, Lily and Archibald, because yeah, really you good. are sort of the romantic center of the show, even though you're dead. And, it, but the the relationship grows in such an interesting, interesting way. And, yeah, you know, as the, obviously the, the, the protagonist of the piece is Mary, who's going through, but, but, but Mary, un, unlike a lot of protagonists, affects change more than, and she does change herself, but she affects a tremendous amount of change in every, everyone around her. Yeah. And as the sort of sp- leader of i mean you're sort of you're obviously explicitly referred to as a ghost and there are other ghosts on the stage you're sort of lead ghost yes did you find how how was that to interact with the other characters as someone who's there but not there but observing did you find that to be especially challenging or did because obviously you knew you were a spirit you're not like unaware it's not like the others you know you you know who you are in this in this piece how did you approach that that kind of relationship Interacting with the live characters, you mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Yeah, Lily is a very challenging role. I think I wish I've often said of, of different roles. I wish I could go back and do it again, because um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, because I would have. The challenge with Lily, I think, is to make her ultra alive. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know she's a ghost, but she's she should be portrayed as. This, you know, she's a free spirit, very alive, very ahead of her time in many ways, um, because she fell in love with Archie, even though he had a hunchback and mm-hmm. didn't care thought. And, you know, she just followed her heart. And she was really very strong in that way. Uh, and I, I probably would have just been a little more real with her mm. instead. Of, I think I maybe I floated around the stage too much and thought of myself as this ethereal <laughs> thing, you know, that saying pretty and whatever. I mean, not to put myself down. I think I, I think I was a fine Lily, but I just, uh, I would have wanted to give her a little more, uh, a little more something, a little, a little realness that maybe wasn't there when I did it, but interacting with the real, the, the, the live characters was lots of fun. We worked out um, how I would almost touch them, but not touch them and mm-hmm. affect them in that way. And uh yeah, I, I just found it to be a delightful experience all the way around. I just, I loved every note of that show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It, um, yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. You used to I, stand I, in wings and sing with the chorus. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. That would, it. Yeah. It, oh, it's a, be- I mean, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous score. I think that uh, an underappreciated score would be my sort of uh, yeah. statement on that show. I, because uh, especially on, on uh, Secret Garden, you're working with people who are, who have, you know, like, I mean, obviously you've recorded solo albums, but had solo albums at that point. Like you have Mandy Patinkin on the stage and Robert sure. Westenberg's there. And, and, and it is a very, you know, it, it, there are some names in the cast. Did you, did you find, did you feel a distance, I would say, between yourself and, and those performers? Or was it all just a very integrated you know, community? Yeah, very integrated. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I never felt anything like that. I felt like I belonged and uh, just everybody was so lovely. Bob Westenberg, what a doll. I love him so much. Oh, yeah. uh, no, I just immediately felt like I was with family, you know, and we just, we just had a great time creating that show. Was that something like a conscious atmosphere you felt that was being created or was it just sort of effortless in the, in the room? 
you know, it, a little bit of both, but the women that, you know, it was mostly women that, you know, put yeah. that shit together and wrote it. And I think there was a conscious effort on their part to have this nurturing atmosphere. And, you know, they had plants everywhere and, and uh, on the windowsill. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it had that sort of nurturing quality, you know, to it. Oh, that's so. really great. Yeah. That is my, that is also my experience working with women producers and collaborators yeah. is it's a much more relaxed and fun environment. I, I think. I think so. That's yeah. really, that's really nice. I'm so, I, I do know that it was uh, the only thing I knew about that before was that Mandy Patinkin has said that he was supposed to leave the show at a certain point. And he decided to stay on because he was just having so much fun. Oh yes. He, he, he did leave early and uh, Howard mm-hmm. McDonald replaced him, but yeah, he stayed, a, he stayed a good while, I think. And then after, after, Secret Garden. I mean, you really started. That was when you received. You did Showboat and received your first Tony nomination, and and sort of I, started recording and and doing more of that. How did your career shift after that? That stand that that point. Well, uh, you know, it might have it might have shifted more. I kind of just I don't know if I got lazy or I just got complacent. <laughs> I don't know. I just you know I was also going through like a personal crisis in my life. All doing mm. Showboat. Uh, the divorce and the rest of it. Mm. And that, that sort of like set me back, you know, again, mm. it's one of the things I wish I could go back mm-hmm. and go, what are you doing wallowing in this crap? You have your whole life ahead of you and, you know, go forward and whatever, and just be happy. And I was unhappy for a while, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I got through that time. And after showboat, I sort of took a sort of a, there was sort of a lull in in my career. I guess I did, you know, San Diego's I did uh, the old globe production of time and again and um mm. and so after that you know I came back home that didn't come in you know that was a nice break for me though I needed some time away to think about my life and everything so I don't know I mean after that I suppose things did go on an upswing for me because sound and music came along and the music man came along and you know mm-hmm. I'm, I met Danny my husband right it is there is that interesting experience of, of getting older. I'm finding, especially with having kids that you do have things that you wish you'd done differently <laughs> when you were in your twenties and had the energy. Uh, yes. But there is also a, a truth that those are the things sort of that make you, you, all of it is this big soup that makes your personality and makes your career. And is it, is that something that you I'm interested in how like when, when a career is formed or when a life in the arts is formed, especially, which is very difficult on any, on any level. And we go through these shifts and changes and and moments that sort of define our artistic taste. And then also these bad experiences, good or bad, that, that sort of shape our personality. Did you find in your career sort of solace from the madness or was or were you sort of in it all or all at once? Are you the kind of person who is you know, you're the same off stage on stage and you sort of take all those things with you? Or do you use art and theater as a kind of escape from from the everyday craziness? Oh, boy. I think back then during Showboat, I definitely took it with me. I was mm. you know, constantly sad for about a year of my life mm. um and but I, I was never somebody that took my work home with me never mm. did that. you know i like you know i like having a life and a personal life and so 
and but but at the same time it was it was amazing it was so lucky that i was working and that i at least had that you know at least had mm-hmm. some money and i was working and i wasn't appreciating it like i should though again well you never like, do i mean it, i don't you think never, you can <laughs> don't take it for granted you're like yeah you know. but it's it's hard not i mean it's hard to live in the moment and you have the perspective all at the same time. Those are kind of two conflicting emotional experiences. Your brain can't be appreciating and living sort of simultaneously. You have to kind of, yeah. I try to now. I don't know how well I'm doing with that. Sure. It is. Yeah. yeah, It's just, it's a very, very difficult thing to do because like, I mean, it's that funny. I always, you hear people talk in self-help things about being present or being in the moment, but if you're doing that, you're not appreciating and reflecting and like it's a different kind of thing. You So yes, I I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that. That is a weird thing. Be in the moment. Okay. All right. (laughs) How do I do that exactly? Oh, wait, I forgot to be in the moment. Never mind. I can't ask that question. Very difficult. (laughs) you seem to be also be somebody who puts themselves out a lot as you know, not only doing concerts and being on recordings as, as yourself, but also, you know, with the at home with Rebecca Luker that you just did um, last month, it was a very vulnerable thing. I think that you, you did in this wonderful fundraising effort, which was, is, you know, is great that you were able to, to do that. What, what was the impetus behind setting that whole thing up? Right after I was diagnosed, I met, uh, Valerie Estes, who runs the, who's one of the founders of Project ALS, mm-hmm. and she and I became fast friends. And she was telling me all about Percetin and all the exciting things they were backing and things that were coming down the pike to help people like me. Um, and you know, as the months went by, she just we got closer and closer, and she just started to talk about, can what about a concert to raise money and awareness? And uh, so that you know just turned into, and then the pandemic happened right and then let's do a zoom version of it and so we just started talking about it and i knew that i probably didn't have the energy to sing more than three songs so we decided on that and then katie curry came on board because she's been a friend of project als for years mm-hmm. and she knows me as well and so that was a no-brainer and it just kind of came together and I'm, I'm really happy that it did it was really hard to sing but i'm glad i i did it there's a certain someone, and I'm anxious he should hear me. Who? You. Always has me worried and in trouble when he's near me. I was really impressed by how, like for Zoom, con- you know, we've all seen levels of Zoom concerts and we've all, <laughs> at this point, and we've all seen levels of Zoom readings. Yes. And I, I really appreciated how, it sounds like a funny thing, but just sort of how well produced the the evening was, that it was very, oh, it, it, it felt a lot more like a TV show 
than a oh, you know, yeah than is than a, a just a you know a zoom reading or anything like oh, that that it came out that well because as lovely as the sondheim birthday concert was there were whole sections of it where it was just like man everyone's doing their own lighting i guess that's just the way this is gonna be i know that was <laughs> That was interesting. I enjoyed that, but yes. Yes. I mean, it was so good. I'm glad it happened. And there were too many people in that for that to be, you know, oh my God. for that to be anything kind of other than it was, but it was really nice with, you know, you and then obviously Santino hosting and, and it kind of had this oh, very well put together thing, which is, as I think I, I mentioned to you in an email as someone who is a, you know, ALS supporter, my, my uncle had, had ALS and it, it is something that I try to raise oh. awareness with one-to-one as much as I can with people when they hear uh-huh. about it. Cause not a lot is known. It was so great to see that fundraiser and that issue being brought forward in a way that I went, people will rewatch this, like not just like watch it and possibly it, but I think that it will survive and people will rewatch it. I hope so. I, I was so amazed that we raised as much money as we did. I was amazed by that. And especially like you say, in the middle of a pandemic when everybody's, holding on. It's pretty great. I do want to sort of wrap back around to Sweeney again. First of all, how, when was the first time you got to work with Stephen Sondheim? Because I know you did Passion for PS Classics, but when was that? That, that was the first time. Oh, that Uh, was the first time. Oh my. Yeah. I auditioned for him and James Lapine and, and crew for Into the Woods a long Mm -hmm. time ago, but didn't get that. But yeah, the first time I actually met him one-on-one I worked with him was 2002 in DC at the Sondheim Festival. Wow, yes. What a day when he walked into the room. I was like, oh, he's like one of the few people that I just, you know. Yeah, right. You know, quake in front of, you know. I kept looking at him going, how does that stuff come out of your head? I just, (laughs) all those fabulous shows are in your head. (laughs) I just kept staring at him and you know he was so lovely and was so willing to change things here and there to make it work for this cast mm. and and you know we'd go out at night to this restaurant bar by the Kennedy Center and he just wanted to be one of the guys he just wanted to be you know mm-hmm. Steve, you know right. sitting in the bar you know <laughs> it was really delightful to, to work with him I just I'll never forget it well and that's a hard show I mean passion is not the so hard the easiest yeah. Sondheim show ever. And especially Clara is not an easy character either on top of all those things. I, I didn't do it topless, by the way, but. Well, okay. But I looked, I looked like I was, but I wasn't. Anyway, <laughs> anyway yeah, that, I don't know that I would have done that. Uh, but yes, it's, <laughs> it's a very hard show. And I think one of his most beautiful scores. Mm-hmm. So for Jess. That is not a show that I appreciated when it came out and have since really grown to to appreciate. Oh my God, when I did it, I thought, oh. and then I was able to do the recording, the, the, the recent, yeah. that, which was, wow, what a treat that was. I'm yeah. sure that was, yeah, I mean, it, it is such a, and it's a great recording. I really like that recording. I like, I like revival or, re, you know, other recordings that don't try to subsume the original they they take this like there's a reason to record this production this is you know this has something else to it but i do find myself listening to both and i really appreciate that a lot about re- oh, yeah. revival recordings yes yeah, it went really well as sondheim was very much in on that as well swinging back to to, to sweeney it, it, I, i'm really interested in how sweeney has grown and or changed for you over the years through all your experience and all your you know just 
life, not only theater experience, but life experience, how the show, if the show has taken on any kind of different meanings for you as time has gone on. Oh gosh. You know how to ask them. Okay. <laughs> what I didn't think of. Well, if anything, I suppose I have even a greater appreciation for starters. Um, mm. our, our sons, my stepsons, when they were very small, we introduced them to Sweeney and you know, we used to put it on just to listen to the overture with the boys. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And uh, yeah, I think I just, I have a greater understanding of, of, of the actual music now and, and I appreciate all the characters more and, you know, I, it would be fun to do Mrs. Lovett one day. Yeah. Could, oh my gosh. Be, or even the beggar woman. I mean, there's such great, great characters, <laughs> you know. That's uh, excellent. That's excellent symmetry. If you got to do Joanna and you get to do the beggar woman, that'd be, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, when I'm out of this wheelchair, let's, I'll see. I'll yeah, on. absolutely. You get out. Well, cause it's, there's that great scene in the show. Another one of my favorites is the, the weird family reunion that happens with Joanna in the trunk and the beggar woman up on the side. Oh, yes. Sweeney there. Now you get to be outside the trunk for that reunion. That'd be really, you know, that's very funny. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was a scary scene. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a terrifying scene. And I'm, so, so when you did when you did it, you would have been were you in in the trunk on on. But was it done in a production like the original, with like a two level barbershop kind of setup? Like the original mm-hmm. uh, production, I think. Yeah. Oh wow! Oh yeah, can't remember who designed it. I don't think it was Eugene Eugene Lee Lee Levy Lee. Lee. Yeah, Eugene Lee. Lee. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not sure he did it, but yeah, it was very much like the original. In that same kind of setup, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a yes. That iconic design. I think that that show. That yeah, the barbershop was up on stilts and the pie shop below. And oh my gosh, yeah, that's and you're in a trunk, <laughs> cowering, right? My little sailor suit or whatever I was. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> a series of wigs, right? That's what those shows always are, right? Just, I'll just never forget how satisfying it was to sing that show. Wow, mm. like <gasps> satisfying in what in what way? Well, I, I love being a music major. I had to, uh, you know, I appreciate complicated music and, mm-hmm. and, I've always, you know, I, and I thrive singing it and learning it. Mm-hmm. And so I just had just, it was just wonderfully satisfying to learn that complicated score uh, and to bring it to life. I mean, it was just like, it was hard work and, and uh, you know, it's painstaking work, but, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. So, yeah. That's so wonderful. Well, thank yeah. you so much for talking to me today. This oh was Patrick, what a treat. Green finch and peanut bird, nightingale, blackbird, how is it you sing?